when A.J. Gordon was uh, pastor of a church in Boston. He met a little boy out in front of the church sanctuary one day carrying a rusty cage. Inside this cage were several small birds fluttering nervously. Gordon inquired, son, where'd you get those birds? The boy said, well, I trapped them out in the field. What are you going to do with those birds? Gordon asked. He says, well, I guess I'm going to play with them. When I get home, I'm going to feed them to an old cat we have there. And he said, well, can I buy them? And the boy said, well, yeah, you could. He says, I'll give you $2 for the cage and the birds. The boy said, okay, it's a deal, but you're really making a bad bargain. These are just dumb little birds. So the exchange was made. The boy went away whistling, happy that he'd made $2 off the deal. And Gordon walked around the back of the church property, opened the door of the cage, and let the struggling creatures out, and they soared off into the blue sky. Next Sunday, he carried that old rusty cage into the pulpit and used it to illustrate how Jesus Christ came into our world to seek and to save the lost, paying for them with his own precious blood. That boy, he said, told me that the birds were not songsters. They never sang. But when I let them go, I think they were singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. It changed their lives for sure. In Jesus Christ, we are redeemed and given eternal life. That's what we want to think about today. Last week, we began a short series of messages on what we have in Christ. We learned that we were saved before the world began. And we learned that God saw, even before the world began, that man would rebel against him, that every one of us would, would need someone to save us. And even before the world began, God had decided that he would send Jesus, his son, into the world to save us. God's desire in creating earth, we learned, was to have children who choose to love him and to obey him, just as they are loved by him. He didn't want to make us love him, he wanted us to choose to love him. And when we choose to believe in Jesus Christ and put our faith in him, then God put makes us part of his forever family. He makes us his children. And we become servants of his household, living for him, not for ourselves. Once we are in Christ, everything changes. Everything changes. And that's what we're learning in this series. This morning we want to learn that like those birds set free from the cage, that we too have been set free through Christ. This is the picture of redemption. In Christ we are redeemed and given eternal life. I want to ask you this morning, kind of backing off to the whole series, do you know who you really are in Christ? Do you really know what you have in Christ? This is not a matter of just knowing something. It's not like you go to school and you sit down, you take notes, you write it down, you say, and now I know that. I've got that fact. They ask it on a test. I'll know what to answer. It's not about that. It's a matter of knowing it in your heart and living it, of, of breathing it, of being it, of being who you are, and of living in what you have in Christ. It's a matter of claiming what we have been given by the grace of Almighty God. So, how many people are here 
today that are Christians? Just hold up your hand if you're a Christian. If you're a follower of Christ, okay, you, you, you confess, this is who I live for. The, the, this is who has charge of my life. This is the one that I live for every day. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. So you have chosen to be in Christ. If you are in Christ, have you allowed Christ to really change your life? Question. Is He changing who you are? Is He changing what you have and how you live? Not. You need to step back and say, I need to get this right. If I'm in Christ, changes are coming. Big changes are coming constantly in my life. Now last week we read from the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians living in Ephesus in that time. And in that chapter we found in the first 14 verses that there are something like 12 mentions uh, in Paul's writings of us being in Christ or through Christ or under Christ, that the relationship we have with Christ changes so much in our lives. Now, we're not going to read all 14 verses again, but I'd like to read verses 3 through 8 with you again today. Ephesians 1, starting the verse 3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, where? In Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. What is redemption? Redemption is buying back that which has been lost or forfeited in some way. Redemption is paying the cost required to get something back that once belonged to you, but doesn't belong to you any longer. Let me tell you one of my favorite stories about redemption. It's about a little boy who made his own boat. Found some wood, found some material for a sail. He spent a lot of hours building this little boat. He sewed together a sail. He crafted the wooden hull and, and then covered it with tar and then with paint so that it would float and, and not leak. And he's so excited about it. He had a lake nearby, so he told his mom, I'm going down to see what my boat will do on the lake gets down to the lake and he decides there's enough little breeze here that maybe it will catch the sail and we'll just see how the boat can handle itself. He puts in the water, it floats perfectly, remains upright like it's supposed to. Lo and behold, a little breeze came along and caught that sail and started pushing the boat along and he just had the biggest smile on his face and the boat started going out away from the shore. So he waded in as far as he could, tried to reach it, but he couldn't. The wind had caught it too strong, and it kept going. He thought, well, maybe it'll stop, maybe it'll turn around, maybe it'll come back. But lo and behold, it didn't. It just kept going until finally it disappeared across the lake, and he lost the boat the very first time he ever sailed it. And we were running home to his mother, tears in his eyes. She said, what's wrong? Didn't it work? He said, no, it worked too well. It worked perfectly, and it's gone. I've lost it. One week later, 
he and his father downtown and he walked past a secondhand store and there in the window was his boat pictured in that window there's displayed right there he ran inside all excited about it and he yelled out to the owner of the store he says I found my boat I found my boat he goes over to the window starts picking up and the owner says what are you doing he says I'm taking my boat home it's mine he says no it's not yours he says somebody brought that in here I bought it from them it's for sale in the window if you want it you have to buy it found out how much it was and the little boy of course didn't have that kind of money and he said well hold it for me and he went found the money he raised the money over a period of days he came back and he bought his boat back and as he was leaving the store he's just holding the boat as close as he could and he said to himself you know this is twice my boat once I made you second time I bought you you are my boat redemption is buying back something that was lost something that was forfeited in some way redemption in our case is when Jesus paid and satisfied the cost of our freedom from sin's penalty, death. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a, there's a contrast here. The wage of sin, the cost of sin is death, but Jesus paid that cost so that we could have eternal life. This statement that Paul makes in 6.23 is part of a larger thought that Paul was sharing with the believers in Rome. He said that they needed to remember where God had brought them from, where they used to live, how they used to live. They used to be slaves to sin and to wickedness. In fact, they used to be held in sin's prison, unable to do what they wanted to do or what God wanted them to do. Everything they did back then, he said, was resulting in death. All it could do is produce death because the wages of the sin is death. But now in Christ, in Christ they had been set free so they could serve God. This is what he said. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin... You were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Our Lord. Amen. Amen. Redemption is setting someone free from prison and giving them a new life. You know Prosper and Victoria Torku? Sitting right back here? They're in process of adopting two girls from Ghana. You know that. Most of you know that. It's going to take a little while because the Ghana government's a little slow on these things. <laughs> Just kind of figuring it out still. But they have two girls that are living with Victoria's sister, getting education, developing, growing, two sisters, and they're going to bring them to America one day, God willing, hopefully very soon. They have renamed these two girls, uh, and maybe you know that, maybe you don't. Uh, one of them is named Awina, right? The other one's Deladen, right? And Prosper said yesterday that Deladen means what? Re- 
redeemed. Redeemed. Think about these two little girls and the new life that they're going to have in America. Think of the change they're going to have when Prosper and Victoria become their mom and dad. That's redeemed. Because the life that they had before this, father had died, their mother had five children that she could not afford to raise, and a new life has come to them. Not only the new life that they will have by living in America and the blessings you know, physically that they will have compared to what they had, but even more importantly, that they're going to have a Christian mom and dad teaching them about Jesus. And someday, our prayer is that they will have new life in Christ for eternity. That is redemption. Now, what is the cost of redemption? The cost of eternal redemption cannot be paid with gold or silver. No precious metals, no material wealth could ever do anything to buy our freedom from death and sin. The cost of eternal redemption cannot be paid by our good works. No matter how many our good works, no matter how uh, you know exhausting they are to our time and our energy to do these good works, they can't buy freedom from death and sin. Even in the Old Testament, the Israelites were commanded to sacrifice goats and bulls and other things so that sin's penalty could be paid. But the blood of goats or bulls, the Bible says, will never buy our freedom from death and sin. There's one thing, only one thing, that can buy our freedom. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. The perfect sacrifice, the the once-for-all sacrifice of a sinless man. Hebrews says he has an indestructible life, and yet he yielded that life in order to pay the penalty of our sins. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Hebrews 9, 13 and 14 says, The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? The cost of our redemption from sin and death is costly. It took nothing less than the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, to pay sin's ransom. What's the outcome? Well, there are many outcomes. In fact, we could say the rest of the series are some of the outcomes of this. But let me just highlight three of them. Let me mention three of the outcomes of redemption. One is freedom. One is new life. One is eternal life. Freedom. When Jesus redeems us, he sets us free. We're free from what? We were trapped. We were held in bondage. But Jesus set us free. When Jesus began his public ministry, he went back to his hometown of Nazareth. And on the Sabbath day, they got him up in front of everybody. And they said, okay, choose a scripture that you want to share with us today. So he had the scroll of Isaiah brought over. And they started unrolling it. And they kept unrolling and unrolling and unrolling until they are almost to the very end of the scroll. And they got to what we would call Isaiah 61. And he says, that's what I want to read. This is significant, what he reads. Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach or to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is told us about in, in, in Luke chapter 4. And then Jesus told everyone that was gathered there after he read these verses, he said, today this scripture is fulfilled. I am, I am the embodiment, Jesus was saying, of this scripture. I am here for this purpose. I am here to proclaim good news and freedom. To set captive people free. And that's why he came for you and me. He sets us free. Before World War II, missionaries carried the gospel to Ethiopia's Satan-worshipping Walomo tribe. The decision of Tegine, a, a, a slave, to follow Jesus displeased his master. He's still a slave. He becomes a Christian because of the missionaries who are preaching Christ. But the master forbid Tegine to, to attend Bible studies or to worship or, or often beat him up for his faith, you know, just, just for good measure. I'll beat you some more. And it was a price the young Christian was willing to pay. But there was another price he could not afford, and that was his freedom. He couldn't get away from that master. Just before the missionaries, however, were expelled from Ethiopia, missionary Ray Davis got around with some other missionaries and said, let's, let's pool our money together and let's buy Tegine's freedom. And they did. So kind of as a parting gift, as they had to leave the country, they freed this man from slavery, which was expected to be for life. Twenty-four years passed before Ray Davis returned. Ethiopia. And when Tegene heard that his friend was coming, he waited at the mission station for several days. And as he, as he saw the car that Davis was riding in, turning the corner, driven by a fellow missionary, he ran to the door of that window where he was seated. The di driver slowed down, and now Tegene is running beside the car, and he's reaching through and just grabbing the hand of Ray Davis and kissing it over and over again. And as finally the car stopped, the man got out, and he, he, he yelled to his friends, Look, look, the one who redeemed me has come back. And he fell down on his knees before him and began kissing his dusty shoes. I wonder if we would appreciate what Jesus has done for us even more. That we would think that he would come back for us. The one who has set us free from death and sin has come back, and one day he will. And he'll take us to be with him forever. For he has given us new life, a second outcome of redemption. When Jesus redeems us, he gives us new life. Like to Gine, the Ethiopian slave, we are given new life by Jesus Christ. No longer do we have to serve our cruel master, Satan. We have been given freedom so that we can live the new life that has been given to us by the power of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Why would we ever want to go back? Why would you ever want to go back to what you had before? Why would Tegene say, no, you know, this is too much. I'll go back and live with my master again. And why would a Christian ever say, let me go back to the life I had before I was in Christ? It's a ridiculous scenario. But it is a scenario that is lived out by many Christians. For what they have been given in Christ, what they could claim in Christ, is ignored. 
or maybe even rejected as that's too much. I, I can't go there. I can't live that life. I'll stay where I'm comfortable. And so they choose to remain in bondage when they have been given freedom. It's a ridiculous thought, but often done. Ephesians 5, 8 through 16 says this, For you were once darkness, but now, who are you? You are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminant becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. <laughs> Rise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. Be very careful then, Paul says, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In Christ, we have new life. We're going to be studying that over the next few weeks. What is that new life? What has he saved us to? What has he saved us for? Why would we ever go back to the old? Why would we refuse to claim the new life that we have been given through Christ? A third outcome is eternal life. When Jesus redeems us, he gives us eternal life. We'll talk more about this over the next couple of weeks. But for now, let us just note, let us realize that what he gives us is eternal. This is forever stuff. It cannot be taken away from us. And the new life that we have been given in Jesus Christ is eternal. It is ours forever. What does John 3.16 say? After all, can you say it with me? For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal or everlasting life. Now, why were we redeemed? For what purpose? Why did God redeem us? Well, he said the reason God made us in the first place is because he wanted children that could choose to love him back, choose to obey him, choose to glorify him, bring glory to him through their lives. That's, that's what we lost when we sinned, when we rebelled, when we rejected what God was offering back then. But through Christ, we can come back and regain love relationship with Almighty God and live for Him. In your mind's eye, go back about 160 years to the days before the Civil War. Imagine that you were visiting one of the great cities of the South, like maybe Savannah or Atlanta or Birmingham or Jackson or New Orleans. And as you approach the center of town, you hear a commotion as a crowd is gathering in the public square. There's going to be a public auction. And so you want to be there to see the proceedings. First thing you notice in the crowd, because he's so so loud and obnoxious, is this uncouth, foul-mouthed, boisterous man whom you know by reputation as the meanest, cruelest, most hateful man around. You also notice in the crowd another man that you highly regard. He stands out for his dignity, genteel mannerism, soft-spoken tone. You recognize him as the most kind and gentle and gracious man you've ever known. Both men, along with the crowd, wait for the auction to begin. 
Finally, the auctioneer steps to the podium and begins rattling off his words, you know, as fast as they could. First item to be sold is brought to the auction block, and there before you is this beautiful young black girl about 20 years of age. Her dress is old and torn, but she has it remarkably clean. She's obviously filled with anxiety and fear as the beginning, the bidding begins. And from the outset, the loud, obnoxious man seemed to have his evil, lecherous eyes on her. He has them set on this lovely, innocent young girl. She obviously knows of him. She knows his reputation. And she cringes in fear as he opens the bidding. He opens the bidding. When the kind gentleman saw her fear, he too placed a bid. And soon only these two men were involved in the bidding as the price of the girl rose higher and higher. Finally, the evil man had to bow out of the bidding when he realized that the price of the girl was more than he was willing to pay. So when the auctioneer closed the bidding, the kind gentleman paid the price that he had agreed to, was handed the bill of sale, and turned to leave. The young girl starts to follow her new master. But he turned to her and he said, Where are you going? Well, I'm going with you, she said. You brought me. I belong to you. <laughs> you misunderstood, he said. I didn't buy you to make you my slave. I bought you to set you free. Then he took the bill of sale that he had been given and he wrote across it in big black letters, Free! and signed it and gave it to her. She says, I, I don't understand. You mean I'm free? <laughs> yes, you're free. You mean I can go wherever I want to go and do whatever I want to do? Exactly as you said, I'm free? That's right. Mister, I don't know who you are, but no one has ever shown me such love and kindness. If I am free to do as I please, nothing would please me more than to go with you and serve you the rest of my life. Legend says that she went home that day with Abraham Lincoln. I don't believe the legend. I think it's a story made up by somebody. But doesn't that story illustrate our lives, what God has done for us? On the auction block by our own choice, sold the highest bidder, Satan is there, pay whatever he could. But Jesus said, that one is mine. That one is mine. I'll pay the price for them to be free. And out of gratitude, we say, I've never met anybody like you. I want to live for you the rest of my life. That is what God has given us in redemption. How could we respond in any other way but to say, I want to live for you? Let's pray. Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love. You have given us an everlasting gift because of an everlasting price paid by your son, Jesus. You have, by your grace, bought us back when we could not pay sin's penalty. Lord, we pray that you would be very near to us right now, very dear to our hearts.
we would not lose this moment when maybe for the first time we understand your love. Lord, I know that there's a young man that wants to make a decision today to follow Christ. We're very excited for him. There may be others here, Lord, that you are already pressing into their hearts as well and declaring your love for them. May they not turn away. May they not leave today without receiving your love by putting their faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would be with us in these next few moments. They're very special moments to you and to your kingdom. We pray that you would use these moments to draw anyone near to you, close to you, who needs to know of your love today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song of our faith, a song of our belief, our, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that he came and he paid the penalty. He died, he rose again, and he offers new life to anyone who will surrender to him, who will love him, will obey him, and choose to make him Lord and Savior of their lives. If that is your desire today, we want to invite you to come, just be seated up here in the front, and uh, we'll help you today to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Let's sing. If you want to share that, come. You